This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 129, Chakras, a holistic approach to your well-being. Did you know the chakras were an elegant roadmap to balancing your body, mind, and spirit? Today, I sat down with Morgan Star Raisty to talk about how we can use our chakras to look at our symptoms of imbalance and move towards a holistic wellness. If you're looking for tools to get to the root of your experience, today's episode is for you. Morgan is a therapist with a bachelor's degree in cognitive neuroscience, human biology and wellness, and a master's degree in clinical mental health. She's also currently in the process of becoming a psychedelic-assisted therapy provider. Morgan is the creator, counselor, and coach for Mindsight Guidance and offers an online course called the Seven Center Practice. This four-week course guides people in building tangible, holistic routines through a self-discovery journey that helps to reprogram undaling habits, beliefs, and thought patterns that use the framework of the chakra system. Before we get to today's episode, have you participated in our giveaway? Rebecca Pollock from episode 125 has generously offered to give you two copies of her coloring books of the Yoga Sutras. Thank you so much if you entered our giveaway and left a review for the podcast. Our two winners are Isabella Sassman and at Basket of Yoga on Instagram. So reach out to me and we'll organize your shipping for the books. All right, let's get to today's episode with Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for us to start for listeners that don't know you or don't know you very well, a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure, sure. Well, my name is Morgan to start out with. I am a therapist, a counselor, a coach, and I have a private practice called Mindside Guidance. I really focus on holistic wellness and do that through leading people through the maps of their chakras and their whole being wellness. Educational background is that I got my bachelor's degree in cognitive neuroscience and I minored in wellness and human biology. And I got my master's degree in clinical mental health with an emphasis in somatic therapy. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and sort of what I do. Mm -hmm. So being a therapist, why choose to work with the chakras particularly to help people feel more healthy, more balanced, or embark on the journey of transformation with all the tools that psychology has to offer? Why were you like interested in that particularly? Yeah, definitely. Well, Westernized psychology has a lot to offer the field, and it's definitely not something that we should throw in the trash. But there are a lot of large holes, especially in being able to offer a more holistic lens. Mm. Going through both my undergrad and graduate degrees, I was seeing, you know, it's like the more you learn, the more you recognize that you don't know things. And that there's both more through my own practice. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's just the next mountain. Right. And so I really went on a quest to find things that could really patch up some of this, where there's lack in the Westernized psychological model of healing. And the more that I was researching, the more that I kept coming back to a lot of Anadea Judith's work and a lot of, you know, Eastern philosophy. And it really helped to pair really beautifully and elegantly how to look at a full being as they are. And not just because a lot of Westernized psychology really looks at just the mind, just thought structures mm -hmm. um, and beliefs. And we're starting to bridge a little bit more into somatic realms to be able to understand how the body is involved in that and that the brain doesn't just sit up in the head, but through the whole nervous system. And, <laughs> you know, that's a start. And I'm really excited where that's going in Westernized psychology. But those are really, from my perspective, only including 
third eye and root into the picture where there's a full being that still needs to be considered. And so pairing it with a lot of Easternized philosophy really has helped take the best of both worlds and combine them into a mm. essentially an elegant map to see people in a more full way. So. Mm-hmm. So obviously using somatic practices in your work, what's your personal experience with these practices? Mm. Well, for me, I found a lot of that mind-body connection, that bridge in dance. I've um, mm. done that a lot for static dance, actually. I, I remember, you know, getting introduced to that and thinking it was the weirdest thing ever, but it showed me myself in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. um, that I could not have predicted in my mind or in a talk therapy session. I just wouldn't have been able to have discovered where some of my blockages existed and being able to push past them in a more experiential way. Yeah, that's my main modality of how I've really had a lot of somatic work that's done through movement. But, you know, there's a lot of other ways to do that as well within a therapeutic container that goes beyond sort of a a dance space. Um, So I've had some experiences with that as well. Just being able to release your nervous system in a physical way might mean shaking or, you know, Mm -hmm. comes about through some breath work. And also psychedelic assisted therapy has a very somatic element as well. Um, And that's also that I am currently studying to be a therapeutic psychedelic assisted therapy provider. So that's also a part Mm. of my background as well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And for yogis listening to us today, of course, yoga is part of these somatic practices and mindful movement based practices, even if it's not a classical yoga practice, are also very supportive and they work. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yes, most definitely. Yoga is an excellent way and a very old, ancient way of connecting these pieces. And, you know, they were much further ahead of us in a lot of ways. And it's really cool to see how it comes back around to say, wow, there is wisdom here. And, you know, and it's a really beautiful thing too to make room for differences, right? So it's now we've got a whole westernized world that's created in a different way and now combining them together really makes that magic more potent to have both sides. Because at the same time, I think a lot of the Eastern, if we just went with just Eastern, you know, it doesn't have some of the really beautiful things that a Westernized lens and world has created. So it's really Mm -hmm. cool to see how things start. With science catching (laughs) up, oftentimes for people in the Western world, it's easier to, I don't want to say accept, but like trust, let's say the practices Mm -hmm. and be willing to, Mm -hmm. to experience them because they have a little bit more of an intellectual understanding of what's happening or why it's working. And for a lot of us in the Western world, we need that before we commit. Hmm? Definitely, definitely. And because we're so focused as a culture on, I mean, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but our third eye is so, you know, we're very much focused on thoughts and mm-hmm. visions and and then also our solar plexus as well and bringing that into reality and production, right? And so we need to connect in some ways as a culture with the dominant chakras that we have may be activated or that makes sense to us. And so science, I think, can really help to bridge those thought patterns into being like, oh, okay, this actually makes sense to us in the framework that we've grown in, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
So for listeners, if you're newer to the chakras, we're not going to do a full intro today. We already have a Chakra 101 episode with Anoida Judith. The number kind of, I can't remember right now, but it's been a long time. So like I think in the 50s episode. So go back and check that out if you want your introduction. Like what are the chakras and all of those details. We're going to dive right in into talking about them today. And Morgan, we won't have time to talk about every chakra because that system is mapped with the seven main one, and it would probably take us like an hour and a half or something to really dive into all of them. But can we take a few and explore them? Like, if you had to choose, let's say two or three, which one do you think are the most commonly either imbalanced or in need of our attention or just foundational to the others? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a hard question to answer because our systems are so intricately reliant and yeah they're very yes exactly they're it's so hard to separate and a lot of the westernized world really wants to segment and say these are more important like there's like a hierarchy um (laughs) where i want to say that a lot of the times symptoms that we have and i think that might be the best way to approach this question is to really find some of the symptoms that i see the most often in clients Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know i'd say relationships are a big, which, you know, oftentimes has a lot to do with the heart or the throat. You know, I think that also can maybe bridge into like sex life, which can look into more of a sacral space. And, you know, yeah, it's just so hard because they're all so intricately connected that we can't really tease them apart. However, I do think that, you know, self-worth and confidence and sort of a lack of either drive or overproduction is also a really significant issue Mm -hmm. in today's world is that we're burning ourselves out. And so a lot of that is solar plexus and kind of how we identify with our self. And a lot of the times, especially in a Western culture, we get positive reinforcement when we are producing and identifying with whatever we're producing. And so I'd say to just start off with that Solar plexus oftentimes is very either overactive or underactive. That's a hard one I've seen is not, it's hard to get into balance, especially because our outside influences really are giving us a lot of positive reiterations of this is good if you overactivate and burn yourself out. And that's almost a common thing. Yeah. Um, And that really affects the rest of the system, right? It's not like that this one's just this isolated vacuum. It says, oh, well, if my production is my worth, how does that affect your heart right above? How does that affect your sacral and your creativity right below, right? And it it affects the whole system and throws everything out of balance. Sure. So yeah. yeah. All right. Um, So let's talk about that one to start a little bit. Let's talk about our solar plexus. So what would be the main characteristic of that chakra? You already mentioned a few things, but... Well, we really need in order to function in the world, a relatively a sense of identity. And this particular chakra really focuses on our ability to assert, to get things done. And it also has a lot to do with our identity and how we relate with ourselves and the outside world. Um, Yeah. Any other thoughts that you wanted to add to that or any other questions? I mean, just for people to know, like how they could identify even that maybe that chakra particularly Mm -hmm. is underactive or overactive. So maybe what about the characteristic Mm -hmm. that either say if it is underactive or overactive, how can they notice or know Mm -hmm. that? So if it's underactive, a lot of the times we're going to see this through symptoms in our everyday world. So whenever it's underactive, it's more in a place that we have hard time being motivated and getting our to-do list done. It might be really difficult to start your day and 
whenever we're overactive, it's like to-do list is never going to be complete. Maybe we're (laughs) always, you know, going, going, going. And our motivation is through the roof and maybe going in a million different directions. So it's actually hard to commit to things or we're over committing to things Mm -hmm. or we're maybe flaking because we can't do all the things that we want to do. And so those are kind of the each end of the spectrum. And so we're struggling following through, we get overwhelmed, like we are committed, probably, but there's just so much on our plate that it's not working in the end. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We just can't do it all. And so that throws the rest of our system out of balance, you know, and we might start to take on things about who we are as a person, right? Where we consider ourselves to be having a hard time with commitment or, you know, it starts to turn into something that is Mm, who we are. are. (laughs) Exactly. Versus just what we're doing and symptoms of our energy centers being out of balance. Mm -hmm. So what beliefs about ourselves might we have if our solar plexus chakra is out of balance? Mm -hmm. Well, um, maybe that I'm lazy if it's more on the underactive side you know, that might, that's a pretty common one. If we're overactive, it might be that my worth is based in what I am able to produce, or that I need the title of something to feel that love. And this is why it's so hard, because they're also connected, because I'm thinking of all these different ways that, you know, but I won't go there. So we're just focusing on the solar plexus. (laughs) (laughs) Might beliefs like scarcity or I'm not enough or whatever I do is not good enough is related to mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, I Definitely. think is so common. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that even some of those are sound a little bit like root too, because depending upon where your the scarcity feels, because do I not have enough money to support myself? Do I, you know, and it kind of turns into, they might feed into each other, right? So like mm-hmm. maybe an mm-hmm. underactive root of, I, I never as a child, I never had enough food growing up, you know, maybe that turns into a belief system that creates an overactive solar plexus because we need to work, work, work to compensate for an underactive chakra, which is why I was saying it's kind of hard to separate them because they are so, and everyone's system is so unique that they kind of have to follow the, how, how you're organized essentially. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. It must be really interesting to look at not only each chakra, like, oh, is this one underactive or overactive, but then take the time to connect, like, is this one causing X, Y, Z to happen up the chain (laughs) or vice Mm -hmm. versa, right? Like you say, is one underactive making me overactive in the other one to create some kind of homeostasis because that's what we're trying to do all the time, right? So obviously, if we have some that are overactive, we're going to have some that are underactive, maybe some that are balanced, but our system is doing the best that it can to bring us into a sense of balance. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yes. And your system, you know, is very intricate and it's learned. This is what keeps me safe. And that might be a very negative coping skill, which keeps Mm -hmm. you in an overactive, underactive space. So sometimes we're sort of bound by our programming of what we've learned is safe from a young age to stay in that. And that's, you know, happening on an energetic, physical, spiritual level, like, you know, there's so many different layers to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we go back to the solar plexus, with a little focus, we might touch on other things, but what are some tools we can bring in to bring our solar plexus chakra back into balance? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, to start with an overactive, well, for any of them, really, we want to find where our blockages are where the edge of our comfort zone is really. So 
maybe it's really uncomfortable for us to pause, to take a breath, to sit in silence, to not do. To um, slow maybe down. that's really hard for someone with an overactive solar plexus. And so we're going to find that edge wherever that is, and we're going to feel it in our body. We're going to see what's happening. Like literally, what are the physical responses that my body is having from sitting still? Is that a clench fist? Okay, if it is, then what is it like to develop safety in your nervous system by consciously relaxing in those moments? And that can really trickle throughout not only your body, but your energy centers as well is because your whole system is trying to adjust and save a lot of energy is really what a lot of everything kind of comes down to is we're Mm -hmm. trying to find efficiency. And if we can train ourselves at the edges of our comfort zone to recognize this is safe, you actually don't have to spend a lot of energy creating a blockage here. Like it is safe to not do something right now. So that can really work for any of the centers as we're finding our edge and we're not going to go past our comfort zone. I think that it's a really common thing for people to say, get out of your comfort zone. And as a therapist, I think that there's some benefit in that idea and we need our nervous systems to really stay online (laughs) in a healthy way so that we don't have negative experiences of going beyond what is safe for us um, Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. then that might say, see, look, I I should have never done that. And then that kind of can take steps backward. So I'd say that we're trying to be at the edge of our comfort zone, but not to the point where it feels detrimental to. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Because Um, when we're nervous system conscious, like you say, we have to stay in the safe zone, but the idea of going to the limit is like not stepping outside the comfort zone, but flirting with that, you know, limit. So we're just creating enough discomfort. So there could be transformation and change, but we're doing it in a setting that our nervous system is able to be settled. And so we stay Mm -hmm. present, we stay connected, we stay aware, right? We're not having other coping mechanism because we're feeling unsafe and now kind of diverting what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, if we are in a place of overactivation, that can be something that we can do is we can challenge ourselves to put down the to-do list for a moment, really recognize where those edges are. We can do a lot of self-awareness around this of what is my belief system around this and really start to, you know, not just through meditation and sort of having that somatic experience, but also through a mental experience as well and start to rewrite these beliefs that we have. And on an underactive side of that spectrum, maybe it does look like starting to challenge yourself and you might need an accountability structure set up as well. So maybe this is something of, you know, by this time, I think that setting goals is often really difficult for people because we might think so broadly. Like a lot of the times what I see is whenever your solar plexus is underactive, your third eye is actually very overactive. Sometimes we have such big dreams or something that we want to do that actually it's really hard for your solar plexus to keep up with it or to really feel like that's a possibility. And so some of this work is helping to balance other ones, other chakras to where the underactive can start to get some of that energy because they're taking so much maybe in a different place. So that might be also some of it with the underactive is that we can start to see where we're overactive and consciously quiet down or help to transition some of that energy to where where we are underactive. But what I wanted to say about goals is, I don't know if this is common knowledge or not, but there's a structure called SMART goals. It stands for Specific, 
measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. And so that can be a really helpful tool to create some momentum into our goals, because a lot of the times we're not making realistic goals, we're not making attainable goals, and we're not putting a time structure on it. We say something like, I want to be happier. And it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. what's the specific steps that we can take toward that? What, how can we measure that? Is that attainable for us? Is this relevant? And can we do it in a timely way? So it might look like, you know, I'm going to journal once a day, three times a week, And now I can go through and say, that was specific. I can measure. It's got some numbers in there. You know, it's attainable. I think that I can really do that. It's relevant because that can maybe contribute to my happiness and self-awareness. And it's timely. I have some sort of measurement of when I'm going to do that by. That's one tool that maybe can help to start activate a maybe more underactive solar plexus. Yeah. (laughs) So generally speaking, you, you know, when we talk about finding the edge and building our own awareness, there's a part in there that is like self-study, right? Which is super common for yogis listening, like it's part of her pillars in yoga. And also the slowing down, the connecting, we can find this through our meditation practice as one example or any mindfulness practices that we have or we know. And then the other things, like whether we're looking at goals or the other examples you give are kind of those balancing action or activities or, you know, things that we can do to then respond to what we have noticed, observed, witnessed, understood. And it's like taking that action step for the next best thing for us to shift or transition towards what we need to to do. Do you feel like that's an adequate summary here? Would you yeah, add something? Great synopsis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So, I wanted to come back to what you said when we talked about underactive, overactive, and we gave the example of a um, underactive root creating an overactive solar, and then you gave another example just now of a um, solar and third eye connecting together. Can you give another example or two? I think this is pretty fascinating for people to look at them together as well, instead of us going through another example, let's say of a separate one, since they're so, so much intertwined. Yes, definitely. Well, I'd say a really common one is actually the connection between the crown and the root. Oftentimes they're pretty inverse or polarized. A lot Mm. of people think of them as opposite ends of the spectrum where it might more accurately be more of a a cycle, a circle. And so oftentimes if we have a super overactivated crown, it's maybe because we don't feel safe in our body. So our root is a bit more underactive and vice versa. If we have a very rooted, grounded, this is my physical reality, then it's really hard and we kind of have more rigid you know, maybe boundaries around what we consider to be or in the crown realm, right? It's it's harder to connect with things that we can't see or, or think that there might be something beyond this physical world if that's where we are mm. so connected to. And oftentimes, and this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine actually, is that mm-hmm. we are taught a lot of the time from spiritual leaders that actually have very open crowns but aren't grounded and embodied in being able to apply a lot of the knowledge and teachings because their root is actually underactive. And we see this not to say that any way is right or wrong. It's more of just, this is the way that 
a lot of the times this information comes to us is in a relatively ungrounded way that's really hard to apply Grasp. and have mm-hmm. in our life. Yeah, we're saying, oh, that's a really great idea and I resonate with that. Now and what? And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think there's a lot of need for spiritual teachers and people that are in the healing arts to really ground and understand how this imbalance actually affects their ripple into the world um, and that we are really in a need of people that have full system balance right now um, and their impact so that mm-hmm, yeah yeah so then if we look at our chakras individually and then we look at them in relationship obviously today we didn't go through each chakra but you have a course called the seven center practice can you tell us a little bit about it and how can this support people if they're super curious now that we've talked about it a little bit and they're like i want to know more tell us about it a little bit mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So what I've done is created a course that people can start to get to know their unique system on a daily basis. One of the really important things, there's sort of four core elements to this course. And really, if people are out there trying to make a routine that's really healthy for them, that they can see themselves in a holistic way, they can apply these four aspects without the course, but this course is very much built upon these things, which is consistency. So I've got a daily practice that we can create I mean, in order to do reprogramming throughout our system, think of it took over 3000 steps when we're learning how to walk to really start to understand, oh, this is how we do this on autopilot and create neural highways. And so we need repetition and we need consistency in the basis of any routine that we have. So that's part of the course is that we've got a daily practice that each day we dedicate to chakra. And so Mondays are roots, sacral is Tuesday, and then we go on up the spine and then repeat. And so it's a four-week course. It's all online. So it's self-paced and kind of you can really take that curriculum and customize it to your own needs and your own system. The other kind of aspects that go hand in hand is self-regulation and self-awareness. I do as best as I can to really combine a lot of the best of Western psychology within this course to really talk about how we can regulate our nervous systems and give coping skills that whenever we are at the edge of that comfort zone, that we can start to apply very specific to each energy center, these balancing activities that can keep us regulated. Because if we're looking at sort of reprogramming our systems, we need our prefrontal cortex online, which shuts down when you know our sympathetic nervous system takes over and our mm-hmm. fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So we need to train ourselves consistently to bring the parasympathetic nervous system back online. And so on a daily basis, we're not only learning about each of these centers and how your unique setup is, if you're underactive in this place and what those relationships are, but we're also you know finding that edge and applying balancing activities and regulating activities that can work for you in each of those centers per day. And also self-awareness goes right along with that because I do have daily meditations and journal prompts and things that can really help you dive into where did that belief come from or where, you know, what am Mm -hmm. I believing about that or, or what is my programming and can really help to explore some of what your programming is and while you're actively reprogramming it. And then the last piece is accountability. It's really a hard thing to find a container that really works in today's world. And I offer both individual sessions as well as group calls to help. And there's also a free Facebook page and sort of community forum that we get on that 
helps to catalyze and, and keep accountable the growth that you know you're doing because it does take effort and it takes consistency and it can be hard. Life shows up. And so having that really totally. that container can really do not only help you stay accountable to what the work that you're doing, but also show that you don't have to do it alone. There's actually a lot more catalyzing that can happen when we come together and hear from other people's stories and what's working for them and things like that. So that's a little bit of an overview. And, you know, even if you don't sign up for the course, I think that that's a really important part that if you're creating a a routine for yourself, that we need that consistency, we need that accountability, we need self-regulation, we need self-awareness. So I've built the course upon those foundational pieces. Yeah, you just read my mind. I was just about to say, like, whether or not people want to get into this format with you to know that the first step is like that knowledge and awareness of what is going on and how things function. And then when they have started to create a bit of a regular practice with the different balancing activities, and then they are working with a little bit deeper awareness, long term, they can create sustainable change, they can create something that kind of has a long lasting effect, adding accountability, and that might be just a friend or that might be, you know, someone else, but using the tools and creating repetition and all of these little things that you said are super helpful for people listening as they learn the tools that work for them, whether that course is on that list for them or not. So that's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with about their chakras or about anything we've talked about today, what would that be? Hmm. Well, I'd say that your chakras really give you an elegant map to your holistic wellness. And if we want to simplify the way that we look at it, it's essentially tuning in. It's like a database and that organizes around particular themes throughout your life. So even if you don't want to get into the neural physiology of the chakras and how the energy enters your body and like all the technical pieces with it, or if you feel like that's kind of more on the woo-woo side, like I've really want everyone to just at least know that this is a built-in system that kind of can help lead you back to yourself and really where your imbalances lie. Because often we are experiencing symptoms and we don't know how to get to the root of them. And so this can really help to create a framework to understand, oh, this is maybe what's happening at a deeper energetic level that then affects the rest of my physiology and thoughts and Mm -hmm. beliefs and, and programming that I hold on to. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's super helpful. I'll put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to say hello after they listen to this episode, or they have more questions, or they would like to work with you in some capacity? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I actually have a free quiz that people can take if that interests them. It's quick two minute free quiz that can really help to get you started on understanding what is underactive, overactive. It gives you a customized email afterward that sort of shows where your system is and gives some tips on how to balance those in the moment. So yeah, maybe I'll send you the link and people can go take that if that, if you're interested in that. Yeah. And then other than that, I, you can find me on mindseyeguidance.com. It's got a pun in there. So M-I-N-D-P-S-Y guidance.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. So mind period, sci period guidance. And yeah, I love connecting with people. It's it's really a joy and this is why I do the work. So yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at On and Off Your Mat Podcast. Go ahead and screenshot you listening to this episode and share your takeaways. Check out our membership platform to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Find out the show note for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 129. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Thank you, guys. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.